The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancelled too soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Rap and IGN and criticallyacclaimed.net. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold, and I am a vagrant off the street. People don't call me much of anything. I'm also a film critic. Oh, well, yeah, that's of, good. Of some, uh, some experience. Yeah. You've been doing this a bit. I've been doing it a bit. My very first uh, published review appeared in the Santa Monica Mirror back in 1999. Mm. It was for Lake Placid. How was Lake Placid? I like Lake Placid okay. It's okay. I, I, since then, I've gone back and forth on Lake Placid, whether I like it or I hate it. I think right now I'm in a I like it mood. I, I, I dig Lake Placid. Right. It's very placid. Mm. But uh, we're not here for that. <laughs> we're here for a television series that lasted only one season or less. And in this case significantly less. You know, on this show, we... This is one of the more notorious canceled shows. On this show, we've reviewed a lot of failed pilots, and usually with a failed pilot, we're lucky to be able to see it at all. Um, They make the pilot, they show it to the executives, to the network, the network says, pass, Mm -hmm. and then that's that. Or, but often they'll, uh, well, not often, but sometimes they'll look at that pilot and say, well, we spent all this money. We may as well air it at some point. So it airs as like a special or a TV movie. Yeah, that happens. clearly sometimes. it's intended to be the first episode of a TV series. That's not the case this week. This is an unusual situation in which the network saw the show, mm-hmm. liked the show, uh-huh. spent an enormous amount of money promoting the show. Like it's going to be their next big thing aired one episode of the show and then canceled it immediately after, after the first one, one episode and it it's i think this is one of the only cases in tv history where a tv show that was actually intent like bought and intended to go to series only lasted one episode it's happened i before. think there's only like three or four other instances where that happened uh one of the more notorious ones is something we, we're saving for a special occasion it's called <laughs> heil honey i'm home <laughs> and it is like it is a sitcom about hitler uh-huh yeah, that's real. We're going to do that someday. The British sitcom. Uh, yeah, funny, funny. Funny. Uh, th- three, well, quote funny, like intended to be funny. Three camera sitcom with bright, even lighting and a live studio audience. And the main character is Adolf Hitler. And and it was made like before like the South Park era when that oh, yeah. became a little bit more common. Yeah, back when you, there were theoretically you could get away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's. That's not a thing. This is, but here's the thing: with "Hail Honey, I'm Home," you can picture to yourself. I see why that got canceled. Yeah, I can see why people didn't respond favorably to it. Uh-huh. It's a little harder to tell with a show called "Emily's Reasons Why Not." I couldn't find a clip. <laughs> I thought I could find a Which clip. Is there weird. was a huge marketing campaign, yeah, but there's no clips. And uh, this aired on ABC, and I think ABC like just rushed to cover it up. I, they were so embarrassed by Emily's reasons why not, and so many people didn't see it. 
It was not very popular, so nobody knew why. Yeah. It, was, it's, it was this big mystery for a long time. Why did Emily's Reasons Why Not get canceled so quick? And a lot of people have said this is kind of a blot on Heather Graham's career. Because mm-hmm. Heather Graham is, is a charming and very talented actress. And this was like, she co-produced this, and this was sort of her star vehicle. This was going to be a big breakout for her. Yeah, there was, And I, they just stepped on it and... It, and Cut her off. It aired on January 9th, 2006 on ABC. It aired uh, after Wife Swap. Which was hot at the time, if I recall. And it aired a- uh, opposite Two and a Half Men, some show called Las Vegas. And some a show re- called Las Vegas. And a repeat of House MD. Mm-hmm. All hot shows. Yeah. And, yeah, Emily's Reasons Why Not was, yeah, going to be this big star thing for Heather Graham. She was, it was, still wasn't like that long since like the turn of the century when she had a couple of big starring roles mm. in movies you know she was a big breakout hit from a breakout star from Boogie Nights and yeah, but it was Boogie Nights was nine years before this though so uh, seven 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 or eight 97 to two no it was, oh, was 90, it 97 yeah, really? 97 was, was, Boogie, was Nights? Boogie Nights oh, God. Um, yeah it's been that long <laughs> but she was still really a, a, a well-known name And so, like, her going to a sitcom wasn't seen as, like, a huge step down. It's Mm. actually like, well, she can't seem to get, like, big starring roles in movies, but she can star in her own sitcom, and maybe this will be the thing that she's looking for. The show was created by Emily Kapner, Mm. who we recently uh, uh, experienced with Selfie. She also created Selfie, which we reviewed a few weeks back. Um, which was another, obviously, show that didn't last long. It lasted longer than Emily's Reasons Why Not. She was also responsible for the animated series As Told by Ginger, which has a lot of fans. Um, and it's based on a book by... Carrie Gerlach. I I actually... I almost (laughs) illegibly wrote that. (laughs) Carrie Gerlach. uh, She wrote the book. She was also a unit publicist on films like Dogma, End of Days, and Whatever It Takes. So when hmm. she was she was being a unit publicist, she wrote a book, and the book was about um, a woman who is having relationship trouble, and she goes into therapy, hmm. and her therapist suggests that she writes reasons why her previous relationships failed. The show isn't quite that. It's actually hmm. there's no past tense about it. Heather Graham uh, stars as Emily. She hmm. is Emily Sanders is her character's name. Yeah, she is a. Okay, actually, I'm going to give you the first line of dialogue from the movie, and it's actually from the, a, from the series. Oh, it might as well be a movie. Uh, <laughs> no, the, from the series. The first, yeah. the first line is in the voiceover. So she's like doing stuff around her apartment, mm. and here's Heather Graham. So that's me, Emily Sanders, editor of self help books, whose advice I don't seem to follow. Mm-hmm. It. it and it only gets blander from there. Yeah, and like every really... kind of irresponsible sitcom cliche that you can remember from 50 years ago or just, you know, washed off and like a, a spent washcloth just hung up again and tried mm-hmm. to see if it can get a little, little more life out of it. And yeah, it's kind of easy to see why, uh, why people didn't really just, gravitate toward it. It just doesn't it. make an impression. So yeah. like the plot is every episode she tries dating someone else and she comes up with reasons... Why, Why she shouldn't mm. date them, and like when she hits like four or five, she's like, "Okay, that's it, we're done." Mm. And it was th- five. Yeah, she, she had a hard and fast rule. If she can think of five reasons not to date somebody, then she's not going to date them. Uh, which, which is, I think, a lack of imagination. I think you could. I think like I can think of reasons not to date them. What mm. if while I'm dating them, I miss my opportunity to date mm. Chris Hemsworth? 
Well, and, and it, there's no counterpoint. It's called Emily's Reasons Why Not, so we never hear reasons why. And she makes it pretty obvious reasons why, and all of the, re- all of the men she dates have the exact same reason why. They're really, really beautiful men. Mm-hmm. Like, With not much else going on. Yeah, they're, they're kind of empty-headed, shallow guys who are really studly in the same sort of bland way. They all look really similar to me. Yeah. Um, Emily's Reasons Why Not was eventually released on Hulu and then DVD. Uh, they made a bunch of episodes. They made six episodes. Yeah, they planned to air it an episode like the next week, so the episodes were done. So there are some episodes that are available, but they only aired the one. We're going to review all of them. Mm. Uh, because thank you, by the way, uh, mm. to our listener, uh, Joshua, who sent us the DVD. We talked about it on Selfie. Mm. And sure enough, like a week or two later, just boom. Shows, in, up, shows up on the doorstep. Shows up in the mailbox. So that was really cool. Thank you so much. Mm. Uh, we've been talking about doing this one for a while. Uh, the show stars... Okay, so it stars Heather Graham. Mm. Uh, rounding out the cast, uh, we've got uh, Nadia Dejani. As, as the best friend... Uh, yeah, Riley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably... If you the, know the, her, you might catty, know from... She's the catty... Okay, stock characters. We have the catty cynical best friend. Uh, yes. So, there we you go. Ha- That's right. We have the gay best friend. Uh, yes. Because that if, is played by Carrie Payton. If you are a white professional woman living in the big city, probably as an architect or as a publisher, because those are the only two professions you're allowed to have in a sitcom... Yeah. Uh, chances are you're going to have a gay best friend to give dole out uh, workable relationship advice from time to time that you're not going to follow until you realize that you should have followed it from the start. Yeah. Um, um, we have a rival in the office, a really catty rival. Named Glitter Cho. Played by Smith Cho. Mm-hmm. Uh, an actress who looked really, really familiar to me, and you pointed out that she was in The Slammin' Salmon, so that's probably what I remember her from. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, riding around the periphery, we have uh, Asshole Boss, played by James Patrick Stewart. Mm-hmm. He barely has anything to do. Presumably, he would have been given more later in the series. He's in the credits. Mm-hmm. But he and only it, has like three or four scenes in all the episodes that we saw. And he's he's meant to be sort of like the, the crass asshole that you just sort of have to put up with in the office. Yeah, but they call people toots. They pushed that a little too far in this series. He's a little too crass, a little too asshole. And... Um, Who's the name of the James actor? James Patrick Stewart. James Patrick Stewart is a little too dark to play the role. So when he says something really creepy, it reads as really creepy. Like yeah, it, it's, it's not, not. It's not like an affable kind of inappropriate joke. It's just inappropriate speech. Yeah, you want to call human resources a lot while you're watching Emily's Reasons Why Not. Like a lot, especially in the last episode when she starts dating her assistant. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um. So in the first episode, we're introduced to her. She is dating a guy whose book she is publishing. Mm. And then it turns out he has two cell phones. And she's like, oh, well, that might be normal. And then it turns out the second cell phone is full of various it, women he's sleeping with. It's people. a little black book. Cell phone version. Yeah. yeah. And the gag is he wrote a book about how to manipulate women and she was his editor. Mm, and so, she didn't and she didn't catch on. She didn't she didn't really notice uh, any parallels. Um which is almost funny. So and the breakup is the thing that sort of instigate the ser- instigates the series. We didn't really get to know their relationship that much. She no. doesn't elucidate on how this affects her, just that's the inciting incident for the mm. show's premise. Where, okay, well, I, I need to get back out there. How long is she dating this guy? I don't think they even say that she's been, been dating a, a long time. Long enough for the breakup to really have a lasting impact, mm. but I got the impression it can't have been too long. You know, yeah. It doesn't take that long to publish a book once you've actually like acquired it. That's probably how she yeah, met like, him. Like she wasn't dating him while he was writing it or anything. Yeah. Uh, it, she just got into the publishing part of it. Yeah. 
but yeah, um, it, it was enough that she decided I need to start getting put myself back out there, but I need a system now to, yeah. to avoid getting hurt again. And uh, she decides to uh, start dating a guy in her office. The guy is insanely handsome, mm-hmm. very polite. But every time she tries to get physical, he changes the subject or suggests or suggests they only cuddle. He's into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mm. which for some reason the, the sitcom says is... It's like is, the gayest sport ever. I, that's what they claim. I don't really, that, I don't really get that. I, I've, never, I've never heard that before. Yeah, he shows up wearing a pink shirt, and so the show is just basically saying, get it? Mm. Also, get it? He's, he, he's not into ladies. He wears bronzer, and they have yeah. these weird fantasy sequences where he's dressing in drag, because that's what gay people... All gay people just dress in drag. It's really a- offensive, According to Emily yeah. yeah, no, it's really bad. He, he has a subscription to Martha Stewart Living. Mm. And so she leaves him a message saying, hey, I, I get it, you're gay, um... I good on you, but obviously we shouldn't be dating. Uh, have a nice life. And only after she leaves the message does she find out that he's not gay. He's Mormon and mm. just has a different lifestyle and doesn't believe in sex before marriage. And so she runs to his office. And then sure enough, he listened to his messages on speakerphone surrounded by a bunch of people from the office. So he's humiliated. Is he, though? Because honestly, like, it's she, he's not. Uh, and so it's just like, well, this is more embarrassing for her than it is for me. It, it play, like, they're all gathered around and everybody looks at him and they kind of back off. It's like, it's oh, not geez, quite, they don't really like, like, ah, run. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it, it's an awkward moment. It's an awkward moment. And uh, and she and afterwards she even just says, "Well, I'm not. I wasn't going to convert to being a Mormon. So like that so, was yeah, never that, gonna, was, that was doomed anyway. Well, also, why didn't he disclose? Like he would have said that he like he has to go to the Mormon temple or he mm-hmm. has to go witness or something. It's you know, important. It's, it's clearly important to his life. He's yeah. not. He's not like." shirking uh his his the religion he grew up with like many people do and that's mm. you know whatever works for you like he it's an important part of his life you'd think it would have come up in conversation if it's that important to him also you'd think he would have said yeah i don't have sex before marriage or something yeah after you date for a while yeah you would bring that up <laughs> and they they said he's a virgin and i thought okay so you know what whatever his circumstances he's just awkward about sexual matters that would be that okay would have too. been a little bit like would have made a little bit more sense you know that that he's also mormon on top of that and that he would never disclose that is just bad writing exceptionally bad writing just just say okay he's a virgin he's awkward about sexual matters even though you know he looks like a big stud maybe he's attracted women but he's never never been able comfortable doing that and now he's trying to work there with you that would have been a little bit more natural and a little bit more human but they there's have to a, turn it into a joke and there's that's... a kind of sitcom comedy that has always rubbed me the wrong way hmm. and the one that deals in stereotypes well it deals in stereotypes hmm. but even beyond I mean that's 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 obviously horrible I'm talking about one we don't talk about as often as that and that's hmm. um the uh, looking for things that are wrong with people which is literally the, the plot of this show. Yeah. And you look at something like Seinfeld. Every episode of Seinfeld, one or more people is dating someone new or in a friendship with someone new or working with someone new. But they're, and they always they're deliberately have, looking for a shoe to drop. There's like one thing wrong with them. Uh-huh. Like they have a weird belly button or they don't... Why do they always wear the, hands or something. Why do they always wear the same outfit? And mm. instead of simply asking 
or having a conversation about it or accepting people for their little differences. It's really judgmental, and it's always like Seinfeld had a speech on this on the show Seinfeld, mm. uh, which is about how like most of the world is undateable. <laughs> like most people are just undateable, and people are like, well, how do how do people keep hooking up? I think alcohol is involved, and that's kind of funny if you're an asshole. Well, that's, that's an asshole perspective. But that's the joke of Seinfeld. Yes. Those are all terrible people, and the show openly acknowledges that they're all terrible people. Does it though? Because I think the, that's the, the, the finale re- they put them on trial and send them to prison for being assholes. And the, yeah. a lot of people didn't like that finale yeah. because they liked those characters, and that for me mm-hmm. was a really damning indictment of the tone of the show that a lot of people didn't pick up on the fact that the heroes of Seinfeld mm. are monsters. Oh, that they're supposed to be terrible. So with yet Emily's Reasons Why Not, which is a very similar style of humor, which is here, here's a new guy, here's why it's not going to work out, here's why he sucks. And it's never, or almost never, why she sucks. Yeah, And it's, it's, it's very light, it's very fluffy, and it really just lets her off the hook. And it says she's some sort of ideal. Mm-hmm. And I get it. She's affluent. She's got a good job. She's played by Heather Graham, who's, of course, very charming and beautiful. And yet, she's mean. (laughs) She's mean and she's selfish. She's really callow. And if the show, like, you look at Selfie, they acknowledge her her shallowness. That's the plot. That's that's the plot, is that she's shallow and she's learning to be a little bit better about it. Yeah, that worked. I thought that was a good, that was a good dynamic. Emily is a a shallow person, but yeah, that's, it's not about her shallowness. It's just incidental. It's just one of her personality traits and we kind of have to live with that. Yeah. Uh, The next episode, one that didn't, and now we're in episodes that didn't air. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. So, well, well, let's, let's pause here. Okay. We've seen one episode. Yeah. There's a lot of offensive gay jokes. Mm-hmm. It's not very well written. Emily's not a very dynamic character. No. Was it bad enough to just be yanked from the air? Uh, like, like we can ask, was it canceled too soon right here? Here's what I'm asking myself. If, mm. I'm, if I'm a network executive. Yeah. How much are we spending on this? Mm. That's what it boils down to. Are, are, we, are we giving out like a huge payday? For okay. for this for this show because it's it's a sitcom but it's not a cheap sitcom they have real sets and a you know cast they, pe- no, people in the cast was, you recognize they, Heather Graham is getting money for this there and, were two location shoots in the entire series that I we saw um, I'm guessing it was talent because Heather Graham was you know a well known yeah. quantity so and, she was probably getting a lot of the budget and she deserves a payday she's got she's, star uh, power she's very talented the show is not she, her fault and she's in every scene so it's fine yeah but uh, but at the same time I'm asking because like it did bad but it didn't do like it did about the same ratings as uh, the sitcom that followed it, which um, you wrote that down. Uh, I forgot to write that All down, right. but I did look it up. Like it, it really wasn't like the most catastrophic ratings you've ever seen. Mm. Uh, like UPN was getting lower numbers in the same time yeah, but, slot. Like, but, but I, at the same I, time, it's like, is it worth sticking around? Because I don't think this show has legs. Okay. I don't like. Is it worth just like burning off the episodes we have, or would we be better just cutting our losses and going for something that has a bit more personality, energy, mm. and is a little less toxic? Like, because on top of Seinfeld can get away with being toxic because Seinfeld, on top of being toxic, mm. was funny. Right. Like, I actually am not a huge fan, but the writing was very clever <laughs> on that show. The way the episodes were constructed mm. and the way that the storylines intersected in unexpected ways is really brilliant. Like, I would teach that in a class. Like, but at the same time, without that, it's just people 
being shallow and lame. And <laughs> that's kind of what we got with Emily's reasons mm. why not. Um, so the next episode, mm. uh, so I guess we're, you feel the same way, like you would have canceled it as well? Or? Uh, that's the thing. I didn't like the first episode. I don't, actually don't like the show very much at all, but um, I, I didn't see anything in here that was so egregiously awful that I would need to like run to pull the plug as quickly as I could. Yeah. Like, I didn't have to stumble over my feet to reach the plug in the wall. I... I would have probably allowed it to run like the six episodes that they had shot. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And then pulled the plug because I think the show is bad. But yeah, there was nothing in this first one. Like it, it wasn't like uh, like it, there was some sort of bad political timing thing. Like mm-hmm. uh, I remember uh, Muppets Tonight got canceled because they made uh, they had that bomber character and they made a lot of bomber jokes like on the anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. And oh, they, wow. I didn't remember was, that. And it was just bad timing. They didn't even think about it. Oh. And a lot of people wrote in. It's like, how dare you have this bombing joke on the anniversary? And they're like, oh, crap. We didn't think of that. OK, we're out. We're, we're not going to do anything more. And that was just bad timing. It wasn't because the show was bad. It was just I have no that was really insensitive. All. So we'll get to Muppets tonight eventually, I'm sure. Oh, did it only last one season? I think it did. Okay. I think it lasted a, like, a good number of episodes, but yeah, I think it was only one season. Okay. There was nothing in Emily's Reasons Why Not, like what was happening in 2006 that, you know, this timed out. Well, nothing really happens in the episode. Uh, you yeah. know, okay. It's a nothing episode. Muppets no- Tonight a- lasted two seasons. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. I guess we won't get to Muppets Tonight. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's why, from what I understand, that's one of the main reasons Muppets Tonight was Crazy. taken off the air. It was just this really bad joke, bad timing on a bad joke. All right. So uh, the next episode is why not to date a twin? Mm. Um, Emily meets dude. Mm. Dude seems cool. Dude has a twin sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this is a storyline. Uh, the, the twin sister is played by an actress named Faye Masterson, who you and you and I are big fans of. I think she's great. She was in uh, the Lost Skeleton of Cadavra, mm-hmm. and you'll notice her in like small roles and a lot of things. She like, was she was the the roommate at the end of Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, that's right. She was she yeah. was uh, 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 one of the ladies of the evening in the Quick and the Dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like you used to see her around, and she's really talented. And she's one of those actors who I always wanted to see get a big break, and just never, never got did. like a it's big like, role, like a big role in a hit movie. And yeah, it's a shame because she's really good. She only shows up in like single episodes of stuff. I got to meet her, and she was really, really wonderful to me in person. That's cool. So, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, so she's she's the twin sister of the dude Emily's mm-hmm. dating, and Emily is an only child. And she doesn't really understand the closeness of their relationship. Mm. And so she's not sure if they're uncomfortably close, if there's like, if he's kind of whipped by his sister and doesn't mm. have like a, a opinions or personality of his own, if his sister is pulling like weird controlling games. Like when she recommends, here are all the things he likes, mm. do this for him for a date. Is that being helpful? Or when he shows up and says, oh, my sister must have given this for you. I'm going to give her a call and say, thank you. Oh, is that her asserting her, stuff. Yeah, she's yeah. trying to assert her dominance. And then it gets really weird. Like after they like spend the night and have sex, like Faye Masterson like crawls into bed with them and starts nibbling on her brother's toes. <laughs> This is this is kind of a funny premise, and it was a funny premise when Friends did it. Oh, was this lifted from an episode of Friends? Oh yeah, and that oh, one geez. ended with uh, I think it was Jennifer Aniston. I think it was Jennifer Aniston was dating some dude, wow. and uh, then like he saw she and she was like, "Oh, I'm overthinking this. He's close to her sister. I'll never understand that." Mm-hmm. And then she sees that they're taking a bath together, and she's like, "I'm out. <laughs> this is weird. I'm out. I'm yeah, done. Thank yeah. you. Thank you." Mm-hmm. Um, and. Yeah, it's basically the same thing here. Eventually, uh, 
he gets like hurt while doing yoga because she doesn't understand his back well, she, problems. She tries to push him into doing something that's her idea and not the sister's idea. And yeah, it turns out what she wants to do is physically dangerous for him. Which he really should have mentioned and, because and he's an adult and he knows he has back problems. This is my beef with so many like romantic romantic comedies or just comedies in general or just movies in general. People never say <laughs> what they need to in any given moment. Like, mm-hmm. there are single sentences that could fix whole movie plots. Oh, yeah. If they just told the truth about something or if they were much more forthright much earlier in the movie. And I understand the theme of these is supposed to be that people have trouble communicating or they're really insecure about the way they want to communicate. And that's a real thing. But, and that's, a, and that. that's a real thing. But in a single episode of a sitcom and it's not established that this guy has that anxiety or that he has this back problem why is that not spoken up front why did this guy not say that he was a mormon up front these people aren't talking to one another and they claim to have these sort of great connections and a good rapport i don't know about you but i say things like that you know things that I... might might hurt me if i have like a medical problem there are things like I'd love, to, I'd love to do yoga with you, but I have this back thing. Can we do something else instead? You know, try to keep it open or be smart about there's it. There's a story. This this doesn't directly relate, but I'm going to bring it back around. Hmm. Um, there's a story uh, told about John Ford. John Ford directed a movie called Stagecoach, and hmm. the movie Stagecoach is all about people traveling in a stagecoach to get a bunch of adventures. And at the end, uh, there's a bunch of Native American Indians who are like shooting bows and arrows at them, trying to kill them. And it's a big chase scene. It's very thrillingly shot. Hmm. Someone once asked him, hey, if they want them dead, why didn't they shoot the horses? <laughs> and John Ford said, because then the movie would have been over. Mm. Sometimes there are certain plot holes or things that go unsaid that we sort of, th- that people know about. Mm. They think about them in the writer's room or in development or whatever. And they just say, oh, yeah, but if we deal with that, there's no movie. We just got to make sure it's, they're distracted enough that no one's thinking about it. But here's mm. the thing. Um... If all you've got is that, it's really frustrating, especially when every episode of the sitcom is based on just not having simple conversations. You might be able to get away with it once Mm. in a movie, but a sitcom is over and over and over again. And I keep imagining people in the writer's room going, can we fix that? It's hard. Please? To, it's even hard to get away with it in a movie because it, it you start tilting into that weird territory where people aren't behaving like humans anymore. Yeah. It's it, it's really frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. what well, next episode is the gynecologist episode? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, uh, why Emily's reasons why not to date uh, a gynecologist? Your, your, your gynecologist. Uh, in uh, this episode, she dates her gynecologist. She also goes to the gynecologist like eight times, like in the course of a week. Yeah, which um, mm. I, I don't think. Hopefully, you well, don't need that. Well, w- women don't go to the gynecologist that often. It's well, like a dentist it, appointment. You go every once in a while. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess if you have a serious problem, but that's yeah. never addressed. Yeah, so if, she's if going, she did, yeah, she's not saying that. Maybe it's just something she's not communicating. She's going because she has a hot gynecologist. And sure yeah. enough, he's hot. Yeah. And he's charming, and he has and, heroic stories about saving lives as a doctor. And, 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 and he's he's a doctor which impresses all of her friends, including her, her caddy rival. Well, because her subplot in this one is um, she dates immature people because she's immature. And yeah. Mm-hmm. That's actually astute, like well done. So she wants to date someone mature, but she dates someone who's way more mature than she is. So they're not actually a good match. They're actually really incompatible. Mm-hmm. They're not at the same place right now. And she realizes that and then it's over. But the joke is now she has to find a new gynecologist, mm-hmm. which you would. Yeah. 
Because that's the app. There's not much the app. to it, really. Like it's kind of. And there's a single joke where a new gynecologist is kind of boring. And I that's for, it. I forgot to mention this. The one time she doesn't just say like, "Oh, I have work to do," but actually like takes herself seriously to task was at the end of the previous episode because mm-hmm. the subplot in uh, "Why Not to Date a Twin" um, was she was supposed to come up with or find a book about sibling relationships. She does like oh, right, she's right, an right, editor right. of like self-help Skimmed books. Skimmed over this part. Um and so she's trying to figure it out but she's this only child and she's dating a guy who's a twin and she's kind of interviewing them a little bit for ideas and at the end she's like has to admit listen I don't have a book about siblings but I do have another idea which is how to deal with people who are only childs and are now really immature mm. and want, and want a lot of attention and are really difficult to be around i.e. me. And right. I was like Okay, you know what? She, Fair. She, she turned that around. She was able to y- use her weaknesses of strength. Yeah, and I actually like sort of like respected that. I was hoping that would like lead to better stories. Yeah, but no, not so much. Uh, the next episode was that's that's the girlfriend episode. Oh she's yeah, not, she's why not... not to cheat on your best friend? Yeah. So her best friend is um, Riley. Riley. And they, I actually do like the the scenes where they just sort of banter together because they, they do sort of have a believable ish friendship. It's it just not, it just seems natural. Like they, they clearly the actors like found a groove together. I I, yeah. I can only speculate about what the relationship was like on set, but as actors, they feel comfortable and it feels like they've spent a lot of time together. Yeah, they're supposed yeah, to have yeah. been friends since like elementary mm. school, and I believe that, and that's mm. hard to do. But here it's introduced that Riley is like a trust fund baby. Like she's never had to work in her life. I don't know if she's a trust fund or I think I think just a relative died and now she doesn't. Oh, she it. she inherited her yeah. wealth. So she's kind of she's kind of a layabout. She doesn't have to do anything. So mm-hmm. she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, and living the dream. Uh, Emily resents that she's so lazy. So Emily said Emily secretly starts like looking for another girlfriend via yeah. a website. Yeah, someone who has more things in common with mm-hmm. her, and she starts feeling really guilty because she's basically cheating on Riley and. Sure enough, like the first time she says, "Hey, I'm going to this work function." Riley's like, "Oh, do I have to go?" She's like, "No, I, I invited a, a, another female friend." And Riley's like, mm. "Great." No. You know why? Because you're allowed to have more than one friend. <laughs> nope. You, you already know, have more than one friend. You have a gay best friend as well. He, uh, there's this isn't weird. You're only allowed to have if you're an adult woman. You're allowed to have one close adult female friend, and that's it. According now, to sitcoms. Th- according to sitcoms. Uh, there is a story to be told about adult friendships mm-hmm. and adult female friendships and how they are difficult to maintain and how you do grow up. The movie Francis Ha is really great about that. It really is. Um, That's a good about one. About yeah. sort of keeping your adult relationships intact even as the two of you are changing and you don't go out and party anymore and you have different ambitions and you you, know, you just have to start drifting your own ways but still maintaining that friendship and the dynamic of it. <laughs> That's not in Emily's Reasons Why Not. None of that is in Emily's Reasons Why Not. They just sort of have status with one another. You are best friend and you're going to you're being threatened as best friend. Yeah. And the woman she chooses and the entire episode is pointing toward that the woman she chooses is going to be interested in her romantically or sexually. But that never happens. Uh, in fact, it actually turns out that mm. she also works in the publishing industry. They have so much in common. Mm. Uh, and she ends up stealing Emily's ex-boyfriend, who she like cried on her shoulder about, the guy who she broke up with in the pilot episode. Mm. Um, and steals him away, not just as a boyfriend, but as a client. As an asset, yeah. Um, and then d- pretends not to notice her in public. Uh, which sucks. Uh, the the best friend or the new best friend in this mm. is played by Kristen Bauer von Stratton, who was one of the breakout stars of True Blood. Okay. So it's kind of cool to see her uh, uh, in another role. It's also, this is a weird parallel. 
when you watch a lot of shows done by the same showrunners, like you watch a lot of Glenn A. Larson shows or whatever, you mm-hmm. you start to notice like weird little things that keep popping up. Like I guess they have a thing for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Speaking of which, we've got Emily's Reasons Why Not and Selfie both have really important episodes about office karaoke parties. It's weird, isn't it? Isn't that a, isn't that a very specific yeah, um, thing to use as a as a storytelling device? And and it's like it's weird enough to notice, but it's not like quirky enough to be fun. Yeah, it's just office karaoke parties or something that he goes to time and time again. Like I would really love to like interview mm. Emily Kapner. Or Emily Kapnek, sorry. Kapnek, I, yeah. I apologize. I think I pronounced it wrong earlier in the episode. I just, mm. my handwriting was terrible today. Yeah. I would really love to interview Emily Kapnek and just say, mm. tell me about the office karaoke party that you went to. Like, I'm curious. The, the was one, it, yeah. yeah. like, there must have been a really dramatic mm. one, right? Where, like, someone, like, mm. sang a song to their boss, but it was, like, weirdly plaintive and, like, <laughs> like you know, like, nothing compares to you or mm. whatever. And, like, everyone looked around and it was hugely dramatic. Like, I really want to know what the real story mm. is because that's got to be something, right? You don't just happen upon that twice. Uh, yeah. In uh, in selfie, however, there was no uh, T bar. Yet, the, yeah. Well, not yet. Maybe they would have gotten to it. The the one tiny bit of quirk that Emily's reasons why not can lay claim to, if it can lay claim to anything, is that uh, Riley and Emily and and gay best friend all, uh. <laughs> all hang out. That's his name, gay best friend. Uh-huh. Uh, all hang out his in name is Josh. Josh. They all hang out in a T bar, like a. Not, not not like like a coffee tea, like shop, a, cof- but a coffee tea. shop, but it's just tea, and they have a lot of exotic Eastern teas and green teas, and they have night tea parties with DJs and stuff, where people sit around drinking tea cocktails. And you, I we watch we watch the last couple. We don't usually get to watch shows together. Yeah, but this one was so short, we ended up watching like the last three or four episodes together. And you were looking at this tea party, this uh. not just like oh fancy tea party, hand me a crumpet, uh. but like a cool tea party for yeah. cool people. Uh. And you were just like. I'm home. I want to go there. I want to go to a tea bar and get some like really musky poo air and take a, this, a few sips of tea while somebody spins. In I the don't know if I want to go to a room top. where the air is full of poo. Poo? Yeah, you want all the, you want to have all that poo air? That sounds really gross. Where are you getting poo air from? I'm not talking about meeting, a, meeting in a pit toilet. You just said you want to have a lot of poo air. <sighs> it's gross. Oh. You're gross. P U hyphen E R H is a kind of tea. It's not my fault. You can't spell poo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Earl Grey. There you, you go. You know Earl Grey. That's very snooty. You want to hang out with all the royalty. Sure. <laughs> I just I just want to go to a, a nighttime tea bar. All right. Uh, and, the... and, and they actually make a joke out of it because they find out that 14-year-olds, like people who are underage, can go to a, like a night scene. They can go to a bar at night because they don't serve booze. They serve tea. Yeah, and it actually it's a huge niche market that they can hit, yeah, and, and they're and, very successful. And and the adults are hanging around drinking their teas at their fancy snooty tea bar, and there's a bunch of 14-year-olds, and they don't seem to mind. Yeah, that's fine. It's like, if you went to any restaurant, there mm. might be kids in it, and just like, no one's making a thing. Why isn't the sitcom about a hip tea bar in Los Angeles where a bunch of 14-year-olds just sort of drift in and out from time to time, but it's about the adults who hang out there and run it. Make it about the 14-year-olds. Who cares? Why not? Sure, why not? Yeah. T- the 14-year-old tea enthusiast sitcom. I'd watch it. <laughs> it's actually about people who are enthusiasts of 14-year-old teas. Like, they're properly aged. Oh, there you go. Yeah. 
I'll drink that. <laughs> the next episode of Emily's Reasons Why Not was why not to invite your vacation date home. Mm. So at the beginning of the episode, we find out that Emily had just gone on a work trip to Martinique. Mm. And uh, whilst there, she got her groove back. She, 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 she slept she, with a hunky dude. She, she slept with Agador Spartacus from the birdcage, essentially. <laughs> like this, this like really outrageous like stereotype of like a French dude. Mm. And his job is he's the person at a resort or a cruise who's res- just basically is there to make sure everyone's having fun. If you don't mm. look, if you don't look at you're having fun, he gets you on your feet and dances with mm. you. He just makes it cool. He's really energetic. He's really fun. And that's his personality. Yeah. It turns like, out that's the, the only job you could ever get. Cause he, he's constantly moving around. He's constantly sweaty and shirtless. He's never not sweaty. You notice that he's like, he's not really sweaty. Old. He's glistening. Yeah, he's like, oily throughout this yeah. entire thing and like, like you ev- scrape him and every single thing he thinks so what happens is he comes to like to visit her and he stays at her place and mm. he doesn't have really like he's not there for a couple of days he's there until he decides to leave and emily's kind of cool with it because he's he's sexy and he's fun and, and, and she enjoys being on vacation she wants to see what that feels like all the time and that's his whole vibe like he'll do a thing where it's like oh we had a fight well listen i brought fun in i brought a whole bunch of sand and we're gonna fill the apartment with it and put the beach in your house and she's like that's a stupid idea you're stupid i have an oriental carpet and you look down at the carpet and you can tell from the one second shot of the carpet that they paid 5.99 for that at ikea yeah <laughs> it's not an oriental carpet it's not, certainly not a good one and um so the whole the whole gag is that emily realizes that she actually likes her job and she needs to do work and constantly acting like she's on vacation is getting in the way of her career mm. and she has trouble telling the guy that and when she does she basically shames him and forces him to change for her benefit. And, and like, then, immediately, like, put him in a suit, you have to behave like this. And he looks like he's suffering. Mm-hmm. Like, he looks like he's abused. And he just is just really unhappy. And you start feeling really bad, and you realize that she's really not nice. Like, it, <laughs> it, this isn't going to work out. You're, you're of two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Just, just break up with the guy. Why are you like, making him miserable? If this were a Simpsons episode, something like that would play because they're cartoons. Yeah, they're not ridiculous. really, they're not real people and we can laugh at their suffering a little bit more. Yeah, you put Otto in a business suit. I can yeah, see the like, whole episode. It's, it's funny. Like, and I, then, I, I'm really uncomfortable. I need to break. And you can kind of laugh at the awkwardness yeah. of it. Oh Here no, Disco <laughs> Stew has to go to law school. Yeah. Funny episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's if it were real it would be weird but that's why we like gill like gill can never catch a break how about gill run wolves at gill's door <laughs> like he's constantly suffering and we can laugh at him because he's a cartoon this guy he's a cartoonish character but he's played by a live actor and we and we we've been with emily for long enough to try to understand her as a human being and now we understand that she is really shallow and horrible and treats all of her boyfriends really badly. And it's and the and the show treats him badly too because mm. he's always on and and that's he's awkward allo- for everyone. Well, and he's allowed to have his personality, but the show doesn't allow that he has any inner depth. Mm. That like his desire to be constantly fun and carefree stems from anything genuine. Mm. Like that maybe like you know, like he if he doesn't feel like he's on all the time, he gets really depressed. Maybe he's got like an actual condition mm. or or at least some or or at least some motivation for this. Or there are moments when he calms down and actually can like talk about some other topic besides partying. It doesn't afford him the dignity of that. Mm. He is just 
just a problem for Emily to not and, solve and that, well. And that really reveals the big tonal problem of the show, doesn't it? Where it can't yeah. decide how broad it wants to be. We have these some pretty broad premises, like... Uh, you know, how weirdly incestuous are these twins? You know, how broad are we going to play that? And now we have just a legit cartoon character. Yeah. And that's something that and when, when, when she, when the show owner did selfie mm-hmm. up front, they made it really broad. Like they made it clear. Mm-hmm. This is a broad world in which the characters inhabit the office in which they, they work is elaborate and silly. And their boss is, is bizarre and mm-hmm. uh, uh, very affected in all of his mannerisms. And as a result, broad behavior feels natural. Mm, yeah. Emily's Reasons Why Not is trying so hard to be so conventional that the bigger moments, the stuff that should be weird and silly and fun, come across as uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, so, only l- l- luckily, left. he can't stand it. He rips off his shirt and just dances out of the place and says, you know, toodles, I'm out of here. I can't stand this. And they break up. Uh, there's only one episode left, or at least the only one episode left that aired or was mm-hmm. on the DVD. Uh, why not to hire a cute male assistant? Well, the title kind of throws you this uh, throws okay. you a bone about where the episode's going to go. This is a script out of 1950. Like, mm-hmm. it is so backward. It's about flirting with your hot secretary. Yeah. It's gender flipped, but it's no less uh, despicable. Yeah. She, yeah, she wants to hire a new assistant because she's frazzled and can't handle her job. She only interviews male assistants because her previous assistant, uh, who was female, mm. uh, Glitter Cho, ended up betraying her, stealing one of her ideas, and is now like one of her peers at the office, so she's really gun-shy about trusting another female assistant, which is a whole other bag of worms. <laughs> you know, we find out in a previous episode that she's like really uncomfortable being naked around uh, other women, mm-hmm. um, which is its own separate thing, but like she's got some sort of... It's never explored, is it? That's she's got sort of some a, sort of anxiety yeah. about female friendships. She has, mm-hmm. she has no other... like She has only one close female friend Mm -hmm. and that's from childhood and everyone else either betrays her or makes her uncomfortable or feels like a threat um and boy did that need to be like addressed in some way because you can do that a lot of people are are really uncomfortable around you know Mm. their own gender or or the opposite gender and that needs to be explored so you can better yourself if you just sort of let it lay there we're just sort of wallowing in the most Mm. negative parts of her and and that's that's not like that's not a cliche that they're falling back on like that's just a a weird decision that they decided like That's not something you see in sitcoms a lot, you know, the the women that are uncomfortable around other women. Yeah. So she interviews a whole bunch of guys. There's mm. a brief montage of uh, Honestly, it's not even funny. They're just some of them are more qualified than others. And they're all dead attractive. Like yeah. every last one is really hot. And she picks a, a young, attractive dude who actually has a really poor resume, and on the back of his resume is actually a shirtless headshot mm. because he did some male modeling, and she hires him, and her argument is, well, let's give him a chance. And actually He's really good. Turns out he's super capable. Yeah, he's very um, he's very attentive. He pays attention. He fixes her scheduling software. And they he knows flirt her coffee. a lot. They get a little flirty. Uh-huh. And it's pretty tame, but it's weirdly intimate. And she keeps toying with the idea of having an affair with her assistant. And it just seems to be escalating. They seem to get closer. Mm-hmm. And everyone can tell this is headed for disaster. And it gets to the point where they're having lunch together. And... His girlfriend shows up, turns mm. out they live together, and this is like the restaurant around the corner from their apartment. Aww. And Heather Graham f- 
flips out, spills water all over herself, and and leaves in a huff and debates firing him because he has a girlfriend. And and she even says, like in that kind of playful way, well, I can't really fire him for having a girlfriend. The fact no, that you, you want c- to is a that, problem. That you have to say it with that tone of voice. No, no, that's wrong. I want to call human resources on this show. And finally, she like she she they, she has a conversation like. We were being flirtatious, and he, and to his credit, he's like, really they, frank about they, it. They yeah. give him some more character than most like one-off characters do on this show, and he says, "Yeah, we were flirting. It was a harmless, innocent thing. I, I was enjoying this sort of innocent flirtation in which we don't do anything, and you were enjoying it. And that is that bad? Should we not be doing that?" She's like, "No, we we shouldn't be doing that. I feel like you led me on, mm. and he should have brought up, but you're my boss. You shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. He didn't say that part." <laughs> And then after he says, "Okay, it'll never happen again," and then he kisses her, mm-hmm. and then in, in a glass office in sight of everyone. By and the way, people notice, and they contact HR, and he gets moved to a different part of the company, and she has no consequences whatsoever. Nope. Which is, there, there should have been a really horrible scene where we get to see just how awful she is, just like talking to human resources and completely throwing him under the bus. Yeah, it's like hey, he was coming on to me. I was trying to push him more, okay, like and then, lying. To and human then it resources. turns into like this really evil show yeah. where she's like profit. Or, or <laughs> why? Why didn't the show just be brave enough to let them have the affair? It just has to be really secret. Yeah, I mean, like I thought maybe they were setting up like a multi-episode arc for a minute, yeah. and then it was going to be like, okay, well, is he going to leave his girlfriend? Is he not going to leave his girlfriend? I mean, he's living with her. That's a big step. The, the, jo- the jokes we kept making is like, here's my girlfriend, and I'm going to be open with Heather Graham. Hey, Heather Graham, what do you say? All three of us? And, you know, that sort of thing. You could have done that, too. That would have been an interesting yeah, twist, and it would have been kind of awkward and kind of funny, mm-hmm. and you could have played with it, and they just don't. Mm-hmm. And they just make it just inappropriate. And then she goes to her boss, mm-hmm. a character who has barely shown up. Who I confused with the gynecologist. Like she had a conversation. He looks a lot like, him, looks yeah. a lot like a, and so there was a scene where she has a conversation with him at the end of uh, that episode. And, and I every, honestly thought they were the same. Like she was having a conversation yeah. with the guy she just dumped. And everything he tells her about his own personal experience mm-hmm. with like office romances is wildly inappropriate. Yeah, like he, he he confesses to just some outright crimes. Well, I don't know about crimes, but certainly something that HR should be aware of. No and, crimes. Was he, it ta- crimes? he talks about being underage and having like having an affair with his much older boss. I didn't know he was underage. I thought he was just young. No, I, I think, was like I think he said he was. Something. I think he said he was like sixteen, and she was forty-two, and they were having an affair. Yeah, he shouldn't have done that. Yeah, um, or she shouldn't have done she that. Should Someone have done shouldn't that. have done yeah, that. Somebody, somebody victimized you. This is terrible. This is not good. So it just raises all of these really uncomfortable topics. Which, and I'm, I know, like we're in a moment where we're really, like, as a culture, mm. really focusing on these kinds of issues. They were uncomfortable at the time. Yeah. I was there. I was, I was uncomfortable with so a lot of this ago. at the time. And yeah, it's just not funny. And on top of just being not funny, it's also not funny. Like the, the dialogue isn't funny. Mm-hmm. The the slapstick whenever we have any isn't funny. The I think I chuckled a couple of times. A couple it's of just times. sort it's, of there it, are a, it's few, those... a few cute moments, but it's not even there's some t- sitcoms or movies that are like they're not necessarily laugh out loud funny, but they're affable enough that you enjoy them anyway. Mm-hmm. Like you're not laughing, but you're in a good mood, and that's not enough to make you into a hit. But it isn't enough for someone to maybe defend it a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of comedy shows out there, even movies, mm. which aren't really hilarious, but are just sort of amiable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're just sort of like ah, oh, this this is chill. This is kind of they're fun. Just, they're I just get... a genial and pleasant to I, consume. I had a long day at work. 
I just want to fall asleep watching TV. Mm. I can work with this sitcom. Like that's right. that's fine. That that's part of. I mean, that's that's a, that's a kind of art you can consume, and it is valid. It's what, just not particularly interesting. Well, and like I said, those shows rarely become hits because mm. there's not much to them. And yeah. unless that's the raison d'etre of your network homework. Yeah. Hallmark. Okay, Hallmark is is the monster that's off to this. Is the one gigantic monster exception <laughs> to the rule. Um, Emily's reasons why not doesn't even have that affability. I don't find the characters all that charming. I find them really really boring. Uh, Emily is kind of a bad person who doesn't really acknowledge her own horror, and the show doesn't acknowledge sort of her own bad behavior. Yeah, her relationship with her girlfriend is believable but not great the supporting cast isn't really all that interesting they don't, I, they're not given a lot to do they're playing stock archetypes yeah, and, and, and some of them are better at fighting that than others yeah, and um, all, all of the boyfriend characters are really broad cartoonish types so her their relationship to well, Emily isn't that interesting there's this there's this attempt that some sitcoms make to make the protagonist not normal, but whatever the a showrunners... Cipher, yeah. No, not even a cipher. Just whatever the showrunners or the network or whoever is in charge of these things mm. uh, thinks should be normal. Yeah. Here's who we think people are. And it speaks volumes that we they think we're all like Emily. That we all have these sort of shallow impulses. Uh, well, and listen, that's we do. Something really relatable. Everyone has a shallow impulse now and then. Like, mm. we're, we all have aspects of our character that we need to work on or are immature or, or, we, or you could describe as a character flaw. Well, we tend to acknowledge those flaws in I, ourselves. I would hope so, but like even so, like there, there tends to be more to someone than that. Mm. And there isn't. Emily's whole... I mean, listen, she's she's got a great job. Mm. She doesn't have to worry about money. She doesn't have to worry about anything, really. So all she worries about is... Whether or not she's marriage material, she actually even has like a, a a brief monologue about that. And okay, I'm not saying that's not something people have been concerned about, mm. but when that's the only problem you have, I have trouble relating to you. Yeah. And granted, this is one of those shows that probably wasn't made with me as the target demo, but I don't I mean I don't hear a lot of people defending this show as a cult classic. It's out there, you can see it. I don't see any people saying, like, actually this show totally gets it. Like I'm not hearing uh-huh. that. If anyone like watched Emily's Reasons Why Not, either the the pilot episode or watched it all on Hulu or wherever, mm-hmm. and actually did connect to it, mm-hmm. um, let me know. I'd be very curious. Maybe maybe yeah, I'm what, missing something. What is what is it that drew you to this one? Um, there was one other episode apparently okay. of Emily's Reasons Why Not that I, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't finished because they didn't bother or. Mm-hmm. Uh, or what? But it's a it's listed on IMDb and it's not on the DVD, um, and it's called "Why Not to Look at Bridal Magazines." <laughs> okay, that's cute. Um, mm-hmm. I can think of some reasons for this particular character not to look at bridal magazines. Mm-hmm. Probably, uh, uh, probably, the moral of the episode would be uh, not to look at bridal magazines. Thank you, Rodney. <laughs> That's what this show needs. That's what this show needs. This show needs Rodney Dangerfield to teleport in anytime Emily has a problem, and he well, just sort of gives her limp, lame advice, and then leaves. Like an element of the Fantastic might have been good for this well, show. Be, be careful what you ask for, because we have covered Imaginary Mary. I'm not asking for Imaginary Mary. Yeah. I'm asking for Rodney Dangerfield. specifically for Rodney Dangerfield. Specifically Rodney Dangerfield. I think Rodney Dangerfield had already died by 2006. Oh, I'm looking that up. So so he 
Plus, I don't think he would have done it. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, he was. He had already passed yeah, away. Yeah, he, he died in 2004. All right, so. I want this show to be made at least two years prior, and I want <laughs> so it to co-star Roddy, Roddy Dangerfield, Dangerfield. Because that, mm. that's a show. <laughs> I, I, look, I, Heather Graham and Rodney Dangerfield? That's a great pairing. I want to look, see that. I, I, I see what you're reaching for here. And I, I, I'm i going to say I want the same thing, but I want the fundamental version of it. I want some personality. I want some weird thing to happen that's more weirder than just a, there's a setting and there's a T-bar in the series. Yeah. I want there to be something kind of wild and something that is quirky and strange. Something where I get the sense that the creators had a reason to make this show. Yeah. Other than to reinforce a lot of just sitcom tropes and broad character types. Yeah. But there's nothing. Instead, we get this. Instead, we get this. And it is really, really boring. Now, to go back to what I was saying, the first episode unto itself is bad. I'm not sure it's so bad that I would have canceled it right away, but nothing happens that would make me want to keep it. So they were wise, I think, to cut it off here. You know, again, it no, builds was up. Was it reasons why not cancel too soon? You hear about a show canceled after one episode yeah. in your head. You think, how horrible must it have been? Uh, really, mediocrity is mm. kind of the worst thing you can be. Like, you can be noteworthily bad. But if you're not mm. noteworthy in any way, if everything about your show is just really milk toast and nondescript and uninteresting, and you can't conceivably imagine why someone would watch it unless they're a huge Heather Graham fan, mm. which is a thing, yeah. and she's great, and I really do like her as an actor, um, why, why keep going? Mm. You, you, you know what you've got. You've probably seen the other episodes. You see it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. Yeah, so yeah. maybe we should just cut our losses. And yeah, I, I, God, can you imagine the show lasting? If it lasted a hundred episodes, maybe it would have gotten better because like the actors would have found their groove, they, and the writers would have figured it out. They would have added more characters. Mm -hmm. They would have rounded out the ensemble a little bit better. They probably would have added more interesting characters or just sort of expanded the supporting cast. And by 100 episodes, there would have had to been some kind of big change. Emily gets married. Uh, they move I offices. She, I think she writes her own self-help book oh, about, you, you know, being honest with yourself, about mm. the, the nagging voice in your head telling you why you shouldn't do things that you know are self-destructive. Mm. That's a story. That's, that's my understanding. That's, that's more like what the book was about. Um, I don't know. I didn't read it, but that's mm. my understanding of it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's not very good. It was, it was not... Can't, it's hard to say because one episode seems a bit harsh. Yeah. Like, it seems like to say Again, it, was, it, was, it wasn't canceled too soon. It was soon. a bad like, episode. Like, we really couldn't have, like, I probably would have burned off the last episodes over the summer or something. Mm. You know, just like, oh, we have a, do we show reruns or do we show a few episodes of Emily's Reasons Why Not? Well, listen, we paid for the episode. Mm. We might as well show it. Like, so, I think, however, I, ultimately, yeah, this, this was not canceled too soon. Mm. It's just, it's not particularly interesting or good <laughs> i wish there was more to it than that I really I, I, but we, we are in this rare instance where you know one episode aired was it canceled too soon well we had this rare opportunity to see what they would have gone for and you know yeah. what they were right there wasn't they weren't going to do anything interesting with this so yeah sadly we you know we have the knowledge of of foresight to really apply to our rule was it canceled too soon after one episode mm. maybe Maybe I mean again. Yeah. No, I'm gonna start. No, I'm gonna say it. It was not canceled. Too, I mean, it, it was 
not canceled too soon. It was okay. not canceled too soon. Even after one episode. They're all the same episode. Yeah. The only, well, other, but the only no, difference say, is, say, is that we, they're worse. We know that now. With just the one episode in your head, can you but say what's canceled But here's the thing. The executives soon? would know. Okay. That's as true. an they, audience they member, knew. we don't know. But like, as, as um, given the information that we have that would have been available to everyone making a decision about whether or not to continue the program, I would say... I mean, uh, uh, unless we have but, nothing else to put in that time slot, if but, we have nothing uh, else to put in that time slot, I'm keep saying, it going I, for a bit. But, if, but like, but we're not executives here. We're we're the audience. What do we know? We know this from one episode. Was it canceled too soon? With just our audience's knowledge of one episode, like you haven't, ha- you didn't get to see those other episodes. If yet. I never got to see the other episodes, uh, it is theoretically possible since I really like Heather Graham mm. and uh, uh, oh God, I forgot her name already. The woman who plays her best friend. Mm. Uh, Nadia Dejani. Okay. Um, I like them. Mm. Uh, I can imagine the show getting better. Okay. But that said, I'm not seeing a lot of evidence in the pilot episode that it's ever going to be great. Okay. It doesn't really have a a strong foundation. It's just a really generic setup for a sitcom. Okay. Um, it's not like selfie where it just it seems like the 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 potential for the chemistry and for the humor and for the premise is maybe not unlimited, but certainly you can get a whole series out of it. Mm. This is just sitcom number five hundred two. It really is, yeah. You know? And and it's and it's mostly notable a because of how swiftly they canceled it and because of the the ad push that they put behind it. Um, evidently, I, I looked up a little information. They committed to the series without having seen the script. Yep. So they didn't know what they had. Because it was based on a book, and yeah. the book seemed like it had potential. Yeah. So, so they, they, they took a risk, and it didn't work out for them. Yeah, I mean, it can't have been that expensive. It was just a sitcom, but like, and, yeah, and Heather, Gra- Heather Graham has been working since then, but mm-hmm. she still hasn't found that one gigantic starring she role. She really deserves better. Yeah. She really does. She's going to have like charming. a she's going to have a big comeback at some point. She's very charming, and she's very talented when she gets a meaty I, I, I say role, not a comeback, her. like a. a a resurgence, perhaps? Yeah, a comeback yeah. implies that she left. She yeah. didn't leave, but she has not had mm. a lot of great roles, and she deserves a lot of great roles. And she was in a really... She, uh, this same year, uh, when, when Emily's Reasons Why Not was uh, was out, she was in a really sweet little indie film. She had a small role in a movie called The O in Ohio, oh. uh, about Parker Posey, who uh, was a woman who could not achieve orgasm, and it was oh. sort of about her drama of trying to, to get to that one. And, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, Heather Graham played the woman who ran the sex toy shop, so okay. I had a few a uh, few frank conversations and an in- interesting relationship. Um, so yeah, she she is always in. Well, not always. She, she's always she's, good in stuff. She's good in stuff, and she tends to choose interesting projects. I was really bummed out when they didn't bring her back for the revival of Twin Peaks. Yeah, well, her she, character her character was kind of a big hanging plot point. I think they didn't they didn't refer to a lot from the second season though. She didn't show up until later in the show. So yeah, fair enough. It would have been nice though, mm. out of out of respect for her contribution. I need to watch twin, the original Twin Peaks again because it's a lot is a lot it, of it slipped my mind. It's it's pretty good. The mm. this, the back half of the second mm. season is not great, but mm. like it's it's still so good. Mm. Um, that but, is it. That is yeah. it for uh, Emily's reasons why not. Mm-hmm. Um, letters, letters. <laughs> uh, you can email us uh, cancel too soon at gmail dot com mm-hmm. um, with your letters. Do you remember watching the shows that we review? Uh, do you have questions? Do you have uh, trivia you want to share with us? Yeah, and, and Anything at all, really? And we're getting pretty close to uh, getting caught up on our letters. We're right. actually not so far behind. So awesome! Go. If you write, we might get to it within the next few weeks. Uh, here is a uh, letter somebody wrote in about Voyagers. Oh. 
So we, yeah, that's we just recently reviewed. We just that. recently reviewed that, and yeah. uh, while my phone is loading, I can say that it's from uh, Frank Francis. Frank from, Francis, just Francis. Okay. Sorry, just part of the name had like a F-R-A. Frank, no, Francis. Okay. Okay. Hello, Francis. Uh, was listening to your Voyager's episode and heard Whitney mention that networks had to air educational material in the 1980s. It wasn't until 1990, and really it wasn't until 1997 that this was a law. As the Children's Television Act was passed in response to all the toy commercials masquerading as cartoons in mm-hmm. the 80s. This created a number of regulations in television aimed at kids, including scheduled several hours of specifically educational television per week, which you could spot by the translucent EI bug in the corner of the screen. EI for educational slash informational. Yeah. So Voyagers is just part of a general effort to slip some knowledge into our fun, always encouraging us to visit the library. It was mentioned. We could probably use a lot more of this today. Uh, also, an obligatory Kensal Tucson suggestion, The Edge. You haven't done a sketch comedy show. This one had a really interesting cast with Julie Brown, Wayne Knight, Tom Kenny, Jim Talley, Alan Ruck, Paul Feig, and then, and then unknown Jennifer Aniston. Thanks, Francis. Uh, we did technically do one sketch comedy show, The TV Wheel. We did The TV Wheel. Which was an experimental um, version of it. The Edge is one of my favorite things. <laughs> Uh, I obsessively watched it when it aired in the, in 1992 and 1993. Uh, I am intimately familiar with it, and it is one of the holy grails of this show. Yeah, we're trying to find the whole we thing. We can't find it, and if you have any lead on the edge, please, I, just for my own edification, because I'll rewatch the it's, heck out of that It's show. one of the ones he wants more than it's, anything else. It's a show I taped and watched obsessively. I love it, and I want to get to there's, it, and the, we can't. There's one other show that uh, you specifically are super obsessed with that we cannot find. Yeah. Uh, it's the cop show that's told in first person. Yeah, it's called Likely Suspects. Yeah. If that's anyone, one we haven't been able to track down. If either. you can track down the whole series, if you know anyone who has it. I think it, it only or, ran like six episodes. Yeah. But yeah, I, I remember watching it. I remember really loving it. And I'd love to re- revisit that show yeah. from the same era, like early 90s. Yeah. Um, uh, as for educational content, uh, I know the like law, like legislation, wasn't put into place until the late '80s about sort of deregulating children's television, mm-hmm. but it was sort of sauntering along for a while, and a lot of Reagan's policies in the 1980s were about deregulating entertainment and that even though that sort of educational content stuff didn't really get written into the law until much later there were sort of legal barriers preventing that level of marketing that were being deconstructed in the 1980s so you're right you're right the laws weren't really changed immediately Mm. but uh, yeah there was this bit it wasn't just sort of television evolved into the commercials really naturally it's that regulations were loosened so that could happen yeah uh do we have any other letters so uh we do time for one or two more one or two more uh this letter is from uh oh you know what that's that's spam Oh, well, what were they selling? Should we get some? Uh, It was about like subscribing to TV services. Uh, Here is a letter from Adam. Hi, Adam. Hi. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Whitney, I just listened to the newest episode of Council Too Soon, uh, which is the Voyagers one. Uh, Funny that you finished your review up with talks on how this show uh, should have found a second life in animated form. The thing is, as a kid, I used to watch on Cartoon Network a series called Time Squad from 2001 to 2003, and it sounds like it's basically the same show as Voyagers. (laughs) The premise is uh, time is like a rope, and it is woven at one end. And it, as it, it it ages, as it as it ages, it gradually unravels and frays at the other. Yeah. Uh, because of that organization called the Time Squad, uh, it, it has a goal to protect the future by maintaining history as it is intact. So basically, a group of time travelers are meeting historical figures and embarking on wacky adventures with them. Okay, that sounds fun. 
time is unraveling and people have to go back in time to keep it raveled so the present stays on track. That makes a little more sense. I like that. Yeah, it's like pretty, time, it's a, it's a time clearer... just naturally unravels. I, I love time travel mm. stories when they get to explain what time is because uh-huh. every once in a while they have a different conception of time than we're used to. And it's mm. my favorite like conception of time is actually from the Tony Scott movie Deja Vu. Okay. It really just laid it out like really clear. Like time is a river. Mm. It has a current. You can go back and throw a pebble in it, and you might make a couple of ripples, but generally speaking, it's going to go the same way. Right. The only way to actually change anything in the timeline mm. is you have to carve out. Like, you have to make a huge change. You have to dig a new river. Yeah, you have, you have to make an inlet. Like, you mm. have to, Otherwise, it will write itself. Okay. And I like that because it lets you go back in time and ha- it lets you have both stories. Mm. It lets you have the story in which time is, you know, a flat circle time. You have the time has to go the way it goes. Mm. But if you really do something crazy, you can change the timeline. You can have that story, too. It works great. I love that. That's my favorite explanation. I love the the, the Star Trekiness of when they try to explain something really complicated or cerebral by using a really simple metaphor. Yeah. It's like, maybe if we just re recafubulate the energy motron, then we can inverse its polarity matrix. So what you're saying is, so, it's like if you have a dog. Yeah, and, like, if, if you poke a dog, it will be distracted, it's and like, then you can reset its bone. It's like chasing a dog into a ravine. Yeah, it's just like that. You know, sure. Whatever, whatever metaphor they want to use. <laughs> I don't know why he chose such a weird metaphor right there, but all right. Well, the one um, I chose is actually from an episode of Voyager. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, the squad consists of a meathead called Buck Tud Russell. Think of a manlier name. And a translator robot named Larry 3000, who is a C-3PO ripoff, voiced by Mark Hamill. Uh, neither of them knows anything about history, but luckily they recruit an eight-year-old boy who is a history genius. And the journey begins. Wow. Uh, for example, Abraham Lincoln grows tired of being Honest Abe and becomes a villain. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. In a different episode, uh, Edgar Allan Poe becomes an overtly cheerful children's book author, so the squad must remind him of how horrible the world is. Wow, that <laughs> sounds really that's fun. fun. Time Squad lasted two seasons, so it doesn't ah. fit your podcast requirements. But I thought you might want to know about its existence. Also, as a history buff from an early age, I liked it quite a bit, and it introduced me to Eli Whitney. Also, it was the earliest children's animated show I can recall that featured a divorced couple, which was also educational for me. Yeah. Best Adam. That's really um, cool. Th- that is Voyagers, isn't it? That's I mean, no, very similar. No robot, but yeah. Yeah, the, the basic premise is, mm. is right there. That's that's really cool. Mm. All right. well, it sounds like a good show. All right, let's do one more letter. All right. Uh, this one is from Morgan. Hi, Morgan. Morgan uh, has written us a, a series of letters here recently. Okay. Here's the, uh, one of them. Uh, Hiya. Since injuring myself and having a 15 to 20k daily walk as part of my recovery regimen, wow. I've been I've been drawn down the rabbit hole of compulsive podcast consumption, and thanks to Gilbert Gottfried, I found yours. How? Gilbert Gottfried. Who was Gilbert Gottfried in one of our shows? Did he recommend our I don't know, actually. Did Gilbert Gottfried recommend us to somebody? Uh, someone you? tell us that, if that's <laughs> the case. Or maybe it's just you're listening to Gilbert Gottfried's podcast and we were like recommended on the Oh yeah, iTunes. on that, that like, list. Yeah. But like you yeah, might also like if yeah. Gilbert Gottfried knows we exist, could someone please tell us? Hi Gil Hi Gilbert. Hey. I, I loved your episode of the Ren and Stimpy show. You were great as Mr. Mixyespitlick. <laughs> like I'm a huge fan. Mm. I used to watch USA up all night. You were great. <laughs> Uh, what a romp. I just finished your episode on the persuaders and your spot on the lampshades, the velvet, the derivative of everything, the stunts, the thinly veiled homoeroticism. I always thought the was often- it veiled. <laughs> Look, they never kissed on the mouth. That's that's the, the line okay. that they drew. But yeah, um, I always thought the Austin Powers movies were far more an homage to the persuaders than the, to the James Bond movies. Oh, and if you go back to a certain episode. 
certain episodes of The Saint, you'll find a lot of the same set dressing there, like literally the same pieces of furniture. That's awesome. Mm. One of these days we need to do, there's a, there was a reboot of The Saint that got turned into a movie that is currently on Netflix. Oh, uh, like, there's a new The Saint? There like, was since, a new The since Saint. Since the one from the 90s? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They did one. I think it had Eliza Dushku and like Roger Moore came back for like a cameo or something like that. Uh, like she was The Saint now? Yeah, yeah they like they did okay. a pilot. It didn't take off, but they turned it into like a TV movie or something like that. And it, I, last I checked, it was still on Netflix. We need to get around to it one of these days. Okay. The, the new The Saint. Uh, yeah. uh, one of you said that it wasn't a show to... that. It wasn't a show to be binge-watched, and you, could, you couldn't be more correct. But in Canada, where I live, the Persuaders never had a designated network slot. It was only ever shown as filler when some other program wasn't available. It could pop up at 5 p.m. on a Sunday, then not be seen anywhere for two months, then reappear episodes in random order on a Tuesday at 10 p.m. Never any warning. So whenever it happened uh, to be broadcast, it was an event. I'm surprised no TV network has tried that as a marketing ploy. Mm-hmm, like, you never stay, know. stay alert and you'll see the next episode. You don't know what's going to happen or when it's going to show. Yeah, but nowadays people just DVR that shit. Oh, like, that's it, true. it wouldn't have the Well, same that's the effect. thing. You wouldn't know when it's going to be on. You don't know when to DVR it. You just have to stay stay alert. Stay glued to your TV set. Yeah, it's like when radio shows are just like, and when you hear Nirvana's mm. Nevermind. Yeah. Or, you know, it smells you like call, Teen Spirit. Call, if you're the 47th caller. But you yeah. have to listen. Uh-huh. Otherwise, you won't know when to call. Hmm. Like, that's where it would be. Um, one thing I would have liked you have to, you guys to have touched on was the opening credits featuring an infinitely hummable theme composed by none other than John Barry. Yeah. We, we talked about it. We said that it was one of the first TV theme songs to use synth music. We like did, a but I, I, a lot of people love that theme so much. That's we true. probably should have given it more time. Bow, 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 bow. Um, also, the opening credit visuals were perfect in that they simply split-screened a series of stock images which filled filled new viewers in on the characters' backstories. Not since the Jetsons has exposition been so zen-like in its simplicity. <laughs> Meet George Jetson, his boy Elroy, his daughter Judy, Jane his wife. What else do you need to know? They're in the future. Um, that's true. They're in the future. You know I, guess what? You're, I guess you're watching it. You figure that out. The most efficient are still, and these are the gold standards of all TV theme songs, Gilligan's Island and the Brady Bunch. Yeah. They explain the entire premise and introduce all the characters and they're catchy as hell. Exactly. Yeah. That's, the, that, that is the goal. I think there's, you're right. There's no, the no theme songs are better than those two. Like, they'll, I don't think they'll ever get better. <laughs> <laughs> Than Gilligan's Island and the Brady Bunch. Not, not that I necessarily love those shows. I watched them a lot as a kid just because they were on. But uh, yeah, oh, those are kind of... I want to throw the Addams Family into the mix. The Addams a little the bit. Creepy and they're kooky. Mm. They're all together ooky. And... Uh, if, if you're looking for just an instrumental, the Munsters handily outstrips uh, the Addams Family. Yes. That, especially that weird surf rock version. If we're talking about conveying a narrative, yeah. then you got to go with Addams mm. Family. But yeah, yeah Munsters... The theme song kicks ass. Like, the Adam, the Adam, Adam Sandler is the superior show, hands down. The Adams Family is the superior you show. You called them the Adam Sandler. Adams, did I? Oh, <laughs> yeah, shit. You did. The Adams Family is the superior show. Yes, agreed. The Monsters is the inferior show, but the Monsters has vastly superior theme song. That's that's Just 100% saying. true. Yeah. Um, I would also love to hear you do an episode around the 1999 Chris Carter series, Harsh Realm. We, we have that. We have that. And he says, which I worked on. <gasps> it was an ambitious undertaking with many heavy hitters behind it. A lot of the X-Files alumnus, as well as producers and department heads who went on to do such epic TVs as Breaking Bad. At something like $2.4 million per episode, it was, at the time, the most expensive primetime drama ever made. It was based on a comic book series about military experiments with virtual reality, which is a hot property at the end of the millennium. We already did VR5. It was a ball breaker to work on. Most nights, mostly in the woods, mostly in the winter. Camera days would regularly run 16 to 18 hours. I had never been so tired before or since. We shot nine episodes... 
Only three would ever air. Fox debuted the show opposite the World Series. <laughs> which which might have been a deliberate ploy to kill the expensive show right out of the gate. Who knows? Uh, yeah. Beset with scheduling problems from Fox, internal lawsuits, legendary cast friction, logistical difficulties, new production technology, even onset rumors later proven true of a lead actor's longtime sexual relationship with his underage relative. Jesus. A harsh realm, despite being a well-made show, built on an interesting premise was doomed to failure. I'd love to hear your take on it, Morgan. We have been for mm. <laughs> kind of since the beginning of the podcast, uh-huh. uh, been like saying to yourself, one of these days we're going to do a whole Chris Carter month. Yeah. Because there's enough. He did like a failed show on Amazon. He did Harsh Realm. He did, he did the, the Lone, Lone Gunman. Gunman spinoff from the X-Files. I feel like there's yeah. one other one that like there's like a failed pilot or something that people don't talk about. Yeah, we're we're going to do all of them next to each other. So. Yeah, we want to do like a, this a whole theme month because there was this time when I was like, oh, Chris Carter, he can do no wrong. Actually, it turns out he mostly does wrong. Uh, <laughs> the X-Files was kind of a fluke. The, the X-Files was huge. Millennium was okay. okay. Yeah. It was a good it, it did, highlights. Didn't do as well, but you know, it, it, had, good. it had a following. Uh, you hipped me to the really great series about Millennium because they thought they were going to be canceled, so they wrote the final episode of the series, and then after they shot it, it was picked up again. Yeah, they wrote, so like, they, they, I think it was like the second season finale of Millennium or something mm. like that. They, they found out the show was ending, so they ended the world. They literally destroyed the world. There was like a, a, a plague all of the stand, and it's actually like a really fucked up, trippy... Mm. amazing episode of television in which you know Lance Hendrickson is like debating he only has like two shots of the cure and he mm. uses and like it's like he's gonna use one of their daughter but then like who does he kill him or his wife right <laughs> it's really messed up and then that because like the showrunners kind of went for broke in the last like half of the second season when they knew they were gonna be canceled mm. the ratings picked up and they renewed it and they're like well we ended the world um, okay, I guess that only happened in a small town in, like, New England. Mm. Then why did he go through all of that? He should have just left the town. There's no reason. <laughs> There's no reason for the show to have done that. Oh, that's really funny. It's insane. Mm. So fucking funny. Um, but yeah, we'll do a whole Chris Carter month one of these days. Mm. Uh, that is canceled too soon. Next week, we will be back with... Uh, a- a type of show that is actually like one of the ones we people seem to dig us doing the most. We're going to do another horror anthology. Yeah. And this one's selected by Whitney Seibold. That's we, right. We have a bunch of theme uh, months in a row, and the next two episodes are just whatever the hell Whitney wants to do and whatever the hell I want to do, we and get, then theme months for three months in a we're, row. We're going to do a little self-indulgence, and we hope you'll come along with us. But yeah. I, I selected one that I watched a few episodes of when it for, uh, aired in 1996. I was too old for the show, so I didn't really stick around with it. But the Talent involved was really weird. It was created by Adam Rifkin, mm-hmm. uh, a prolific uh, Hollywood screenwriter and, and TV runner, uh, who has done some good things and some bad <laughs> a things. A lot of weird a lo- things. Uh, but a lot of really weird things. He had a weird sense of humor. He's the guy behind The Dark Backward, if you've ever heard of that movie. That was so weird. And, and uh, some of the episodes <laughs> were directed by Richard Elfman, who directed some really weird stuff as well. Shrunken Heads. Shrunken Heads and Forbidden Zone. Yeah, he's Danny Elfman's brother. Danny Elfman's brother. And yeah, yeah that he's but he's just a a strange man. We, we got we got to interview him for a long time. Yeah, like an hour long interview with him once, and he was he was a neat interview. He's, he's one of my favorites, actually. He's I loved going to Richard Elfman's house and talking to that guy. But uh, he directed a few episodes of a TV series called Bone Chillers, which was a a really 
Stranger Goosebumps knockoff from the late 90s. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're next week we're going to be doing all 13 episodes of Bone Chillers, and I hope you'll join us for that. Um, yeah, so again, you can always email us, canceltoosoon at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at CancelCast. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Don't forget, we have a Patreon account, and our patrons really really help keep this show going in a way we can mm. barely even articulate. Uh, it's patreon.com slash canceled too soon. Remember, canceled always has one L in it, mm. which is an okay spelling. We looked it up. <laughs> like, it's one of the few words that, like, is 100% okay either way, one mm. L or two. Uh, back when we chose the title of the show, one L seemed more popular. Now everyone's using two. Mm. I feel like it's like when you're at school, do you, like, double strap the backpack or do you have it, like, over one shoulder? Oh, one shoulder, definitely. But, like, that's, it, the cool, but, like, that's the cool way to do it. It's cycled out every couple of years. Uh-huh. So, like, I'm just waiting for it to come around. One L will be back and then will seem like the trendsetter. Mm. Um but, uh, yeah, anyway, you, you get a whole bunch of bonus content on there, uh, bonus podcasts, uh, you can assign us to write articles for the website criticallyclaimed.net, a mm. uh, bunch of cool stuff. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you can't afford to be a patron, mm. we understand. <laughs> it's totally unreasonable. But, you know, tell a friend, leave a review on iTunes, whatever you can. It always really, really helps. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we'll be back next week with Bone Chillers. And that is a wrap. We'll see you next season.